Welcome to Reputation, a podcast by Hill & Knowlton Strategies Canada. This is a podcast about communication. On each episode, we'll discuss the different elements that go into building your reputation, whether you're a company, an organization, or a public figure. It's also about managing risks to that reputation and communicating in a crisis. My name is Gabe DeRoche. I'm an account director in corporate communications and public affairs here at Hill & Knowlton Strategies in Toronto. Thanks for tuning in. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Melissa Lansman. Melissa is a Vice President of Public Affairs here at Hill & Knowlton Strategies in Toronto. During the successful Doug Ford campaign, uh, Melissa ran the War Room, so she is uh, is very familiar with the the personalities as well as uh, as well as the priorities of uh, of the government, and she is here to share some of those insights with us today on the podcast. Thank you for being here, Melissa. Thanks for having me. So you were right in the center of uh, of the Doug Ford campaign, and I wonder if you could. If you could share with us what you think was the the single most uh, important thing that differentiated that campaign from uh, from previous campaigns. Well, I would be remiss to say that this wasn't a campaign about change and uh, that uh, that Doug Ford tapped into an anger in the Ontario electorate that we haven't seen in a very, very long time. But the one thing that made this campaign different from uh, uh, from others and frankly uh, from others in Canada is the use of digital tools. Uh, and that's the disruption that, uh, um, that those tools had brought to the way that the campaign communicated. Um, you know, I think you saw a campaign, or I know you saw a campaign, where Doug Ford did one media event of, in a very controlled environment, which traditionally is the way that campaigns get their message out. He's, he effectively has decided that the media wouldn't play the significant role in getting the message out. He used tools like Facebook, like other social channels, to go directly to voters in a very um, micro-targeted way. And, and facts are indisputable that there was 19 million people that clicked on Ford Nation Live, which was the newscast that was uh, created uh, to get the campaign message out by the campaign. And it was done in such a targeted way where, Gabe, you and I wouldn't have seen the same message. In fact, being in my voter demographic, uh, the only one that Ford lost with, I wouldn't have seen any of the campaign messages. Whereas I think that somebody who was uh, you know, 25 years old living in South Southwestern Ontario would have been bombarded um, with policies like uh, buck a beer. So the level of uh, the level of targeting um, in this campaign uh, versus all others, and the the level of direct voter contact, um, you know, moving media to the side is is that is that one thing that I think um, you know they did right. So the campaign seemed to be motivated by this um, by this for the people slogan, and in fact, uh, we've seen it. Uh, be uh, taken up by the uh, the congressional Democrats uh, down south. How should our you know the, the clients that we work with how how should they interpret that slogan and and what how does that shape maybe their interactions with with the government? Well. I'll start by saying that imitation is the greatest form of uh, flattery, even, indeed, it, indeed. even if it is the Congressional Democrats. <laughs> um, but For the People is more than a slogan to this government. It is the lens by which they look at every issue. And it is a move away from the administrative state that people 
believed wasn't taking care of them. It is the slogan that encompasses policy change that is actually tangible to people. And that means things like lowering hydro rates or lowering gas prices, um, or frankly, getting spending under control that wasn't affecting, um, you know, that wasn't affecting the average Ontarian. You heard a lot during the campaign of I'm working harder and I'm not getting ahead. And the government really isn't doing anything for me. So for, for, our, for our clients, um, you've got to take, um, take this and galvanize real support on the ground. And that means, you know, le- you know, that means consumers rather than companies. That means you know, the people rather than the associations. It's using numbers, uh, and that, I mean that in, in numbers of people in population rather than um, policy uh, arguments that will make things better in the future. This is about the now. So building on that, it's a, it's a different world at, uh, at Queen's Park. We've seen a, recently a fall economic statement uh, that outlines some of the government's fiscal priorities, its, its fiscal approach. In this new world, how do companies and organizations uh, change their approach to how they, how they speak with government? Look, the fall economic statement, you can see from the title that this is going to be a different uh, uh, government. It's called, it was called um, A Plan for the People, Ontario's Economic Outlook and Fiscal Review. And it was presented in the legislature, and it highlighted the government's achievements uh, since they've come into office in the summer, you know, including things like uh, reducing the deficit by $500 million over a matter of weeks, um, the repeal of the Green Energy Act, the cancellation of the cap-and-trade system, and a proposed delay uh, in the minimum wage. And the fall economic statement laid out the policy priorities for the coming months and laid the groundwork, I think, for the budget you know, that we'll see in 2019, uh, although with, with few details. So the narrative around... Uh, around the government's policy priorities has has changed. There is a public conditioning that is happening saying deficits are bad. You know, we're in a $15 billion or near a $15 billion deficit. Uh, the cupboards are bare. The house is on fire. And uh, we've got to make some really, really tough choices going forward. So there's a conditioning happening uh, with the with the Ontario electorate talking about efficiencies, which, um, you know, I think you can... Uh, I think we can agree to use the word cuts, uh, as well as possibly some sale of, of assets. So a belt tightening. Times are going to be tough. And our clients have to look at this um, when they come forward uh, with their strategies to really align their priorities uh, with, that of, uh, with that of deficit reduction. And our clients' relationship with, uh, with the government in that light has changed. Uh, knowing their priorities, it's important that we align um, our clients' priorities with, uh, with a win-win situation for both them and the government. All right. So this is a, this is a podcast about reputation. Uh, the government has been building a reputation based on, well, amongst other things, as we've, as we've discussed, the, the for the people positioning and, uh, and fiscal realities that they, that they face. Over the coming months and, and even years, what, uh, what would you say are some of the most important things the government has to do to, uh, to keep its, its reputation intact? 
Well, there's a lot that the government controls on its own reputation. There's some things that the government doesn't control. Um, and I think that uh, first and foremost, any new government just like this one is going to want to be seen as responsible, um, as tangible in its uh, in its policy priorities and really working for, uh, for those that uh, brought them to power, for those who voted for them. So it doesn't look like they're just uh, running with scissors and that they have a plan and that they're following uh, the plan. Uh, you know, there's a there's a couple things here um, that would damage their reputation. One of those is that we've seen, and I mentioned, you know, I mentioned the Green Energy Act, and I mentioned the uh, the, the the carbon tax, and it's about um, it's about repealing policies of the last government, which they were. Uh, they have the mandate to do, but not putting things directly in the window uh, to fill that void. So they've got to be careful about the amount of time I think they're taking to uh, to bring forward um, new policies that would replace um, those ones because there is a there is a policy vacuum. You know, as Ontarians, we we've agreed that uh, you know we have to do. Um, we have to make responsible policy to fill uh, fill that vacuum, and ensuring that the government has a uh, has a clear plan going forward uh, is something that they have to pay close attention to and very quickly. And then there is that one last thing, and and for the people means for all of the people. And uh, Doug Ford is a is is known, and he said it himself, as a guy who stands up for the little guy. Uh, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a bit difficult in the current uh, situation when it you know from a fiscal perspective of making sure um, that uh, that the Ford government takes care of those who disproportionately rely on government services um, for those who are uh, lower wage uh, earners. So things like cutting the minimum wage, which I mentioned uh, before, is are is going to be a, a, a tough battle. Uh, you know, unless he does something uh, to take care of uh, of those people who who make minimum wage on um, on the government services side. So a few things to look f- out for on the reputational front. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. We are uh, we're unfortunately we're out of time, but given all that you've outlined and some of the insights you shared, it's clear that the world has changed for for a lot of our clients, and uh, I know that they would. Uh, they would benefit from uh, from the insights that uh, you provide. In fact, I would think there is probably no other better person to uh, to to provide those insights. So thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing sharing that with us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. This has been Reputation, a podcast by Hill and Knowlton Strategies Canada. My name is Gabe DeRoche. Thank you so much for tuning in.